Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 15 of Sex the Podcast. Yay, 15. If you've made it this far with us for this long, um, thank you. And also for all of you newbies, um, thank you as well. We love virgins. We actually talk about them extensively in this episode, so you won't be left out, don't you, Mark? Yeah. And this episode was fascinating to me. It was a really awesome episode. I want to share with you why in a moment, but first I want to tell you who we talked to. In this episode, we talked to Dr. Martha Lee, who is a clinical sexologist who has been conducting sexuality and relationship coaching, as well as running sexuality education events in Asia since 2009. She's from Singapore and has worked with a lot of couples who have unconsummated marriage, men and women with sexual inhibitions and sexual desire discrepancies, men with erection and ejaculation concerns, as well as people from the GLBTQ communities. So one of the topics that was most fascinating for me was a condition called vaginismus. I had never even heard of this, but it's apparently a really painful condition that happens when a woman's vagina shuts down, making penetration difficult or impossible. And she said that this is 90% of the cases that she works with in her practice. We talk about her experience growing up as the exception to the rule in the very sexually conservative Singaporean culture where she was taught from an early age by her mom that her sexuality was okay, but the culture around her gave her a very different message. And last but not least, one of the topics that we talked about is this concept of if you don't use it, you lose it. Apparently this is a sexologist mantra, but they claim that the more likely you're able to have an orgasm by yourself, the more likely you'll be able to have an orgasm with your partner. So like I said, this conversation was fascinating because Dr. Martha gave us a really interesting inside look into a different culture which has a totally different way of relating to sex than American culture. And for me, it's just it's fascinating to get a perspective of, wow, other people in the world actually relate to sex totally differently than we do. There are some really strong distinctions that help me understand my own sexuality better and help me understand how I relate to sex in a totally different way. Well, and also to have compassion for the fact that we all grow up differently and they have zero education about sex according to Dr. Lee and so just the level of um, empathy and compassion I had considering the environment and, and lack of education around something so crucial like sex. So we're really glad to have you along. This episode was super wonderful. Dr. Martha Lee was super wonderful. We hope that you enjoy it. So welcome, Martha, or Dr. Martha Lee, um, to Sex the Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out, too. I mean, your topics are fascinating, so um, we're really excited to dive in and talk about your work and how you got here and all of that. Um, so yeah, thanks again for reaching out and wanting to share what you do with, with our audience. 
Thanks. Yeah, I, I know that the two of you uh, run this uh, very popular and uh, good uh, podcast. So uh, I, I reached out because I also respect many of the guests that you have had on. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Cool. Thank you yeah. for that. Awesome. We've had a lot of fun with people. <laughs> yeah, it has been definitely a fun journey. And I told Bob even last time, like, I learn something new with every single guest that we have. Like, it's so selfish for me. Like, I learn a lot. So I can only imagine, you know, with other people. Um, yeah, so what we have um, each guest start with is, like, if you can give us the Cliff Notes version of your your history with sex and sexuality and just kind of, like, how that started for you up until now, just like an overview, so we know what your story is. <laughs> okay, thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, so I first started to uh, masturbate when I was five, and uh, my sister, who was four, actually taught me. And um, then I went to my mom and asked her what that w- was, and she said it was normal. Oh. And uh, that's really how I survived my puberty years because I was very unattractive and um, it really helped being able to ease my teenage angst and sexual desires and frustration through masturbation. I I don't consider myself highly sexual to be honest. I maybe masturbated like once a month around my period and um, um, yet having a mother who didn't make sex a bad thing right. made me always believe that sex was something positive to look forward to when I grew up. Mm. We didn't really talk so much about sex, but uh, there was certain, certainly hints of, of when she would smile when I asked her about sex. Uh, so I feel that because of those little small incidences that I had with my mom, that I always looked forward to being sexual with someone when I got older. And uh, I think if you believe in the law of attraction, because of that, I also attracted partners who were very loving towards me. And um, that really affirmed to me that sex was something that was really powerful and beautiful. And of course, we don't live in the perfect world. I did have... uh, not so good experiences with uh, sex with other people however because those core uh, fundamental first experiences with sex were positive Mm. um i i started to look around and and realize that i was the exception rather than the norm in my friends and that's when i i really started to want to perhaps help people Mm. in the area of sex and sexuality. So went and got my doctorate in human sexuality after doing uh, two other degrees. So I had two career uh, changes. The first one being uh, uh, doing copcoms, PR, marketing, advertising for eight years in Singapore in different companies. And when I broke up with my first husband, started to ask myself a lot of questions about who I am and what I really want to do with my life. And then I started a nonprofit helping young people in the area of career guidance. So that's really a second career in nonprofit work. And during that time, I also got my second degree in public policy, thinking that maybe one day I'll go and work for the UN. 
after getting that degree realized that I don't really want to work for the UN and be in dangerous places and uh, neither did I want to be stuck behind some desk doing academic policy papers or research mm, mm-hmm. yeah and and through my non-profit work I I also started to do volunteering in uh, counseling and that's when I realized that I have this gift that seems to come forward even though I have always been told by my friends that I'm a very direct person and that I can be a bit confrontational somehow when I'm when I am with someone who is actually in emotional pain I I, I am uh, extremely patient and and ab- and really just focusing entirely of them and wanting to help them uh, so when my nonprofit closed down that was when I wanted to uh, get into a helping profession and run my own business and uh, that was at the crossroads that I decided to combine everything that I know, um, my ability to do marketing and communications, my desire to help people, and my interest in sexuality. So that's when I, I got my doctorate in the Institute of Advanced uh, Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. So that was quite a, quite a, a big thing for me. It was a very expensive uh, endeavor. Wow. And... Uh, Right, because you were in Singapore at the time, you said? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yes. So really, really expensive, uh, but it was well worth it. It really gave me the confidence I needed to start working with clients. Mm. And so I've been doing this for the last seven years now. Wow, yeah. Wow, cool. Amazing. And did you, so how much time did you spend um, in the States um, while you were doing your studies and yeah. all of that so i so the 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 reason why i chose the institute was because i didn't want a program that was too expensive i didn't want a res- residential program i wanted the option to still be able to work and make some money and so i actually flew back and forth for oh, wow. five trips over two years so every time a term started i would fly uh to the institute for three weeks and then fly back but the program ended up being so intensive that i actually didn't have time for anything else so i was studying all the time if i was not in in uh, san francisco and the first two trips that i made in san francisco i was actually uh, i was actually experiencing culture shock and i was scared to even leave my hotel room (laughs) wow yeah, and then after a while, I really started to relax and appreciate San Francisco for what it was. And then I really appreciated how people could just be who they were and wear whatever they wanted to wear. And and really, the blinkers started coming off and a lot of emotional freedom and appreciation of people's independence and ability to just express themselves mm. the, the 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 right of expressing themselves was was actually not dangerous was quite new to me and so what i didn't expect was even though i was flying back and forth when my studies ended i actually experienced re- reverse culture shock so it took me time to get used to even being away from home for so long and then getting used to san francisco and by the time my studies finished, I I was missing my classmates. I was missing the culture of openness and freedom. 
and um, then I went through a period of grieving mm. uh, because now that my blinkers are off I, I start to see the world with different lenses and really started to realize uh, how isolated I would be being the only sexologist in Singapore wow. and uh, lots of people telling me um, things that actually scare me so I, I really didn't, didn't know what to expect getting trained and coming back to Singapore, starting my practice. But lots of people try to scare me, actually. I wasn't scared, but they scare me. So they say things well, like, oh... What do you mean? Like, they say things like, oh, you know, your job is really hard. And, uh, you know, Singaporeans are not ready for this. Uh, uh, sex is such a taboo subject. Uh, are you sure you're going to be able to survive? <laughs> so I already had some of these questions, but I kept hearing it again and again. And actually made a lot of, uh, caused a lot of, uh, fears to uh, start to uh, uh, plant and um, s- start growing, and uh, it, I guess I guess when you really know what you want and you just want to do it, you 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 try not to think about all the obstacles. But when people keep telling you these are your obstacles, it starts to bear fruit, and so uh, that actually made uh, things hard because. Uh, I was very confident and very sure this is what I want to do. And um, all these naysayers, people who were skeptical, uh, didn't help. Uh, In some ways, they did help me in asking myself again and again, is this what I really want? And because I asked myself this question so many times, Mm. I became so clear of this is what I really want and I don't really care what you have to say. So I just keep plowing and keep my head down and... Uh, so it's been seven years it it really hasn't been uh, easy Uh, I guess it's a bit difficult to explain because uh, even though Singapore is the most economically prosperous country in Asia and we are really a small little dot of uh, 5 million people now we are really an economic hub so we we have peoples of all cultures and nationalities coming through and uh, living in Singapore we are we are also the uh, the nation that all the other neighboring Asian countries look up to so even though we are economically very prosperous and successful I don't think culturally and uh, the people are really that caught up um, there's really still a lot of uh, media suppression by the government, even though uh, people don't know this, but because I studied media as well, mm. so I know kind of how it works. And uh, as a sexologist, I work with the media also. So there are lots of uh, censorship or even magazine self-censorship that is happening that makes uh, real sex education very difficult. Uh, so for instance, like... In, in the media, they're not allowed to show anything that looks phallic. So, uh, anal sex is never mentioned in the media. And um, sex toys cannot look like sex toys. They need to look small or cute. And, uh, I know, I was going to say, what do they look like then? <laughs> well, we have like, uh, uh, we have uh, sex toys like We Vibe, or sex toys that look a little bit like a ball, but as long as it looks like 
phallic looking like to resembling a penis is not it's not it's not allowed and, it's actually uh, against the law you're saying it's, it's not against the law it's just censored uh when it's too explicit the magazines actually get called in to say you shouldn't write such articles uh yeah so they 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 they, they have regulation and uh there was once when I, I wrote a, a piece in and uh, they changed what I said like I talked about sex uh, and it was the word sex was changed into physical intimacy and I was like no I wasn't talking about physical intimacy I was talking about sex <laughs> you don't have a right to change my article and change the, my meaning of my article without asking me and I'm contributing for free so things like that uh, starts happening and uh, it is very frustrating that uh, and this is probably common also in the US that the media always comes to you for quotes and they're always rehashing the same material again and again they're always asking me about tips, tricks techniques but they're not really wanting to go deeper than that because uh, magazines have small limited amount of time and space but if you never talk about anything more then people are not going to learn more. And they're just always going to have the same kinds of uh, myths and misconceptions. I wanted to talk about sex problems. I wanted to talk about Tantra and so many other things, safer sex. Uh, and uh, th it would be a lot more explicit. So these are some of the difficulties that uh, I face in Singapore, even though we're the most economically prosperous, everything looks fine. But when you start talking with the locals, you realize how uncomfortable we are talking about sex and how sexually repressed. And it's, 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 a lot of it is due to the lack of real sex conversations and the, 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 the lack of uh, sex education. So I grew up with a whole generation of Singaporeans like me who never had any sex education. So for me to say, I want to go to sex school, be a sexologist, was really, really mind-blowing for a lot of people because they didn't even know there was such a job. I created this job. I, I looked it up. I, I wanted to start a practice. I, I knew exactly what, what I wanted. I wanted to specialize only in sex coaching. And uh, that's what I did. And, uh, and because I position myself as a sexologist and as a sex coach it kind of uh, helped me to stand out but at the same time it also limited the kind of clients that I could see because people then assume that I can I can only help them with sex problems uh, but then sex is connected to relationships so I also have relationship coaching I also have life coaching training because I wanted to be able to give a more well-rounded perspective in my training so I complemented my doctorate with certificates in counseling coaching sex therapy I really wanted to understand all these different modalities so that I can be like a shapeshifter and offer what what my client needs when they need it mm. and that was really hard when uh, I have all these other skills to offer and people only pack myself as a as a sex coach now and they only now come to me because they have a problem and that needs to be resolved and that's the only reason why they come to see me they actually don't want to see me they actually hate me um and they actually tell it to me in my face but that's also very hard that i get it on both ends people that um uh don't understand my work people that the very people that i'm trying to help actually don't want to see me because uh you know 
there's also not much of a culture of coaching people don't really understand what's coaching and then they are having a problem they need to see me and so they're really dragging themselves to see me well what are some of the things that you found to be kind of issues that people deal with around sex in Singapore like do you notice a specific theme or trend around that it is unbelievable um, <laughs> when I started my uh, training uh, at uh, at doing my doctorate they really didn't go into so much of sex problems because it's an academic study. So we study everything about the whole spectrum of human sexual behavior. We studied the, the signs and facts and figures and statistics and history. Uh, but when it came to sex problems specifically, it was really my subdicate in sex therapy that helped me. So when I was first introduced to all the different kinds of sex problems that people have and how to treat them, then I came across vaginismus, which is what happens when a woman's vagina shuts down, making penetration difficult or impossible. So essentially, it's sexual phobia. It's a phobia of pain during penetration. Mm. And uh, this is the number one reason why people come to see me. I when see. I started, I was horrified uh, to learn that there was such a condition. And then I thought, well, this is, th this is it. This is why I'm a woman. This is why uh, I, I can help women in a way that uh, no man can. And uh, even though I was drawn to this condition, I really did not expect how this became my main work when oh, I started okay. my practice. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So every week I get a few inquiries on vaginismus every week. And I've wow. been doing this for seven years. I have worked with more than 300 couples who have vaginismus, more than 300 over seven years. And um, I created an online training program for women who have vaginismus. So I, I, I share all the, the exercises and the theory and anatomy and uh, try to debunk some means around the hymen and, and virginity and um, uh, so so it's, it's the proportion of uh, other kinds of sex problems with vaginismus is like I'm seeing like 90% vaginismus cases and the rest is like all the others so all the others will include premature ejaculation low sex drive delayed ejaculation erectile difficulties sexual incompatibility sexual communication sexual enhancement tantra that's just 10 percent of the clients who come and see me wow i had no idea i mean and and do you feel like that is kind of special or unique to Singapore or is this something that happens all over and we just don't know about it? Uh, so because this is such a, a, a private and hidden problem, right? so it's very difficult to get uh, statistics about how many women exactly in the world have vaginismus, but it's been estimated that one in 10 women have vaginismus. Uh, uh, this is not uh, correct because I'm seeing like a few every week, right? And uh, I have had days where I have five clients who have vaginismus in one day. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely believing that the lack of sex education, ignorance, uh, messages of, uh, uh, you know, save your virginity for your partner, otherwise he's not going to love you and he's going to cheat on you. The, these are myths and misconceptions, but this is very much their reality. Uh, oh, yeah, so uh, now that I'm married, I shouldn't masturbate. I should save it for my husband. 
a, lo- a lot of them are just like um, never corrected, so it just continues. And um, I have I have a I had a supervisor uh, a couple of years ago who was assisting me in my certification process, and so I I was asking her about vaginismus. And she's she she said that she's been in practice for thirty years. She's only worked with three people with vaginismus. At that point, I think I've been in practice for five years, and I've worked with like two three hundred. So it's really like shocking difference what's happening in the U.S. and and what's happening here in uh, Singapore. And and most of the people with vaginismus uh, that I work with are Asians. I do work with. Uh, Caucasians who have vaginismus, but it's very rare. Uh, I would say like 99% of them are Asians. And uh, they can be Singaporean Chinese, uh, Malaysian Chinese, uh, Indonesians, uh, Indians from India. And I've had people fly in to see me because they cannot get anybody who understands what is vaginismus in their country. So people have flown in to see me, uh, includes Indonesia, Pakistan, um, uh, Bangladesh. Uh, so these are some of the countries they actually flew in. Uh, uh, there was somebody in Canada who actually reached out to me as well. And I'm like, you're in Canada. There are sexologists there. I would prefer you work with someone face to face. And the only reason why they chose me because I'm Chinese. And uh, she's Chinese. Uh. So, some, so, so I would very... At that point, I didn't have my online training program to support... Uh, what I was able to offer and teach and I really felt that uh, it would be so difficult to uh, communicate just via Skype with vaginismus so uh, so I didn't take on that client uh, yeah so uh, this is uh, really heartbreaking in my work to see this again and again so I guess this is part, part of what we were uh, beginning to talk about the cultural differences uh, um, the lack of sex education uh, causes uh, problems for uh, men and women down the road. A lot of misconceptions, yeah. which they actually communicate to me as if they were facts. And because they've been holding on to them for so long, it's really difficult to uh, try to tell them uh, you're wrong. <laughs> so I have to try to be gentle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And have you found I, there to be, like, a theme for the men, like, the kind of the standout um, issue that men face around sex in Singapore? I think both men, uh, uh, I think all men that I have worked with, all, all of them, uh, regardless of uh, race or nationality, all of them hesitate to come and see me. Uh, I think it's part of a male ego thing, if I can solve it by myself. I I rather uh, do it myself. Okay. And uh, a lot of them uh, do research online, and uh, they get even more confused. By the time they come and see me, they would have the problem for years by then, and their partner is utterly frustrated, and uh, so that becomes quite challenging to mm-hmm. deal with their emotional stress and also their expectations of what we could realistically accomplish in coaching. Mm-hmm. got it so you it's more of them feeling like they need to kind of work through it on their own and they need to solve it fix it on their own whatever whatever it is that they're struggling with 
I think a lot of um, men and maybe more so Asians, I I would say they tend to be givers. They really want their partners to be happy, and uh, they blame themselves a lot if their partners are not sexually satisfied, and uh, because the woman is already sexually inexperienced and very little understanding of their body, and so is the man. It becomes this huge, big, difficult conversation that. Uh, really it's just because both of them are beginners at beginners level and it's not even like beginners like as in high school level they're they're really not even having any like kindergarten knowledge about sex so it's 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 quite different because my my classmates in the u.s they would have had quite a lot more sex education than i've had and so when I went to sex school, I also had to learn a lot and I had to catch up and I had to constantly battle this sense of inadequacy that I felt, even though I thought I knew a lot about sex and I was the most confident and comfortable about sex among all my friends and peers. So to be in the US and feel so inadequate uh, was was quite strange. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I, I knew I didn't know a lot, but I didn't know how little I knew. So it's it's a, a little bit like you don't know what you don't know until you you know it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, so like issues like GLBTQ issues, you know, gay rights and uh, discrimination of people who are gender or sexual minorities just never even crossed my mind until I went to sex school. Sex and disability, sex and illness, these were things that I never thought about. Sex and aging, didn't think about it. <laughs> so so that's, that's uh, I had a lot of catching up to do. Mm. Well, and I'm curious how much of the, how much of this is, is it strictly cultural or is it related to religion also? The, the kind of lack of sex education and conversation around sex? So originally, when I had all these uh, virgin couples coming in to see me, I, 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 I did have sex before marriage, uh, and I married the guy that I had sex with. But then I was having all these women and men who were virgins. So I was very curious: was it religious or or or, or what? Like, why are they not choosing to? have sex before marriage and these are people in their 30s like like mid 30s or early early 30s who uh need to finish their studies get a career save enough money buy a house and 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 again and again i kept hearing that it was not because of religion these people were not choosing to put off sex because of religion they just feel it's inappropriate because we are asians (laughs) oh Really? Yeah, so they put it onto themselves that we are Asians and we have Asian values and so as Asians we don't have sex before marriage and uh, they actually see sex as a sacred thing which is beautiful uh, but it's not religion that actually stops them from having sex. It's actually their culture or their perceived whatever they've absorbed about their culture. I think culture has a lot to do also with their upbringing and what their parents say. Uh, messages like don't masturbate, don't touch yourself. Um, well, there are actually lots of people who listen to their parents and shut down their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate to have a mom who said that it was normal, and I I am the exception. And thank goodness for this exception because then I I, I grew up to like sex, uh, learn to love sex, get curious about sex, want to be better at sex, and then 
uh, decide that I want to be a sex educator. I am the exception. Wow. And and even even without the sex education, I was already quite a different Asian because I I am a, a lot more direct and vocal and outspoken than a lot of my friends. And so for a long time, I always felt that I was the one who was weird and abnormal. And I was told in my face when I was growing up that I was weird and abnormal for being so outspoken as an Asian. And if I didn't have all this bullying growing up, I wouldn't have had the strength and emotional resilience to face what I have to face in my work, sometimes on a daily basis, when people laugh in my face and joke about what I do for a living and uh, dismiss me or discriminate against me. Uh, I also... uh, uh, from time to time receive sexual harassment like this is just part of the job and um, I've had to develop a thicker skin uh, and um, I just choose to keep doing what I do because I feel somebody needs to hold this space mm-hmm. Singaporean as a Chinese and I'm able to speak Singlish and Mandarin and uh, they 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 feel comfortable with me quite quickly, which um, I I really try my best to come across as friendly and approachable and patient, um, because all I want to do is to help as many people as I can. Right. Well, and I'm curious how then, because um, I know you had mentioned kind of getting into a focus being masturbation too and teaching self pleasuring and and all of that. Did that come out of seeing all the vaginismus cases, and or was that something completely different for you? Um, I I would say, if I wanted to be more accepted, I would just stick with the safe topics. But because I talk so much about masturbation, like people already think I'm weird, and then on top of that, they think I'm even weirder. So I sometimes I wonder, like, am I really helping what I really want to do? Or am I making it worse by just talking about things that I'm passionate about? <laughs> yeah. So I, I do feel that it is important to talk about masturbation. I'll just keep doing it, even though people don't understand me completely. I find that sometimes it's not really what you say. It's also the way you say it. If you come across as defensive angry antagonistic uh, uh, people people just shut down but if you if you are just open then people feel safe to just ask more questions and come forward um, so I, I talk about masturbation because when I was uh, going to the sex school I had the opportunity to take this certificate called sexological body work so in sexological body work, we learned how to uh, end the importance of using erotic energy for emotional healing. And that sex is not just sex. And uh, sex is not just penetrative sex. And our erotic energy that we can generate by ourselves is such a powerful way of learning how to love ourselves. Mm. So um, there's this practice that I learned in, in uh, sexological body work called Orgasmic Yoga, which is also the title of my second book. Because I love this practice so much, I wanted to uh, put it into a form that made sense for me and hopefully for other people. And so, because I, I, I'm I passionate about it, so I just keep talking about it. So even if nobody wants to hear it, I just keep talking about it and just believe that it will 
be able to help some people even if it's just a small group and uh, true enough it, it does and some of these people who really get me are not even in Singapore I have people who really support my work and I've made friends uh, through through the Skype through Facebook with my peers and uh, uh, so there are people all over the world who start following my work who are not Asians even though uh, in my heart, it's always, I want to help my people. I, I mean, all people deserve help. Uh, but there are so many sexologists in the world. What makes me different from other sexologists? Mm. Uh, and so uh, th these people are the, are the ones that I want to help the most. Yeah. Mm. So, so then I just keep talking about orgasmic yoga and masturbation and masturbation month and um, the importance of loving yourself and this demystifying masturbation. And I guess my next project uh, um, is I want to demystify uh, uh, virginity. Uh, I want to have more conversations around first-time sex, and because um, uh, I'm, I'm I, I work so so much with virgins that I just want to do as much as I can in in my lifetime mm. to put out as many messages that I can um, that. Uh, that will hopefully correct a lot of these myths and misconceptions. Um, like, uh, where's my hymen? Is my hymen intact? How do I check if it's intact? Um, this belief that because I'm a virgin, uh, first-time sex is going to be extremely painful. It's not It's not just first-time sex that is painful. It's the way you have first-time sex that is painful. And um, mm. people just don't know how to have first-time sex in a way that feels good. Mm -hmm. I just keep talking about the same things again and again. Sometimes I, I because I'm, I'm quite an impatient pe person actually by nature, so I get frustrated uh, repeating myself again and again. But I guess part of repeating ourselves again and again is we get better and clearer and more effective. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and honestly, sometimes it takes multiple times I've found for us to hear something until we're able to let it really sink in especially i can imagine like in your case like if there's no sex education there you know it's just kind of like what this is so different you know so to have to hear it multiple ways multiple times to be able to actually get it um as to what yes. sex is there are oh there are different ways to have sex oh sex can have multiple ways to be pleasurable like there are multiple ways to pleasure ourselves you know like like i feel like there's still ways even in the orgasmic yoga i'm like i haven't even heard of that and i live in what i consider a really like open you know part of the world around that stuff and i don't even know what orgasmic yoga is you know <laughs> So that, so that's a that's like a, a part of me that has been awakened and and been so exposed to everything related to sex, and then I live in this world, uh, Singapore, where everything is 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 quite uh, repressed. So I I'm like dongling between the two, and so sometimes I just can't help but talk about the stuff that I I really feel that I must talk about, and people think like you know I'm weird whatever. But it does, you know. I, I just need to. I just need to make peace within myself that it's so important to be authentic and vulnerable. Right. 
and yeah, I agree with you that things needs to be repeated again and again uh, until sometimes they sink in. I remember when I, I, I when I went to sex school, I still wasn't sure what is the vulva like i know about the vagina but i didn't know what's the difference between vulva and vagina i was so confused and i didn't have the courage to even ask anybody and, uh, and you were in I didn't school think of, at the time right and you were there to learn yeah <laughs> I was in school and i still didn't dare to ask anybody and uh then i actually was studying and i knew i couldn't run around away from understanding all the different parts of the vulva and i had to just keep overcoming my fear and block around anything that's related to science because biology is boring biology is like scary uh, and i just had to keep trying again and again like 10 20 times before i finally let it all start to sink in from different places mm-hmm. yeah so yes well and so why are you so passionate about the masturbation piece in the orgasmic yoga i'm curious personally for you um well, I, I, I learned about my body and became comfortable with my sexuality through masturbation. Okay. And um, we, we as uh, sexologists believe that if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't touch yourself, you, you are not sexual. You don't really know what it means to be in your body. The more likely you are able to have orgasm by yourself, the more likely you'll be able to have orgasm with your partner. If you don't know your body, you don't know what you like, how you're going to be able to tell your partner, how can you communicate this? And uh, it's, it's such a big piece to first being confident and comfortable with sex by yourself. And um, so there's lots of guilt, shame, embarrassment around sex. So let's start with masturbation. So I guess that's that's kind of um, where I enter from it. Uh, but anything more than that, like orgasmic yoga, is kind of strange to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, just couple of uh, uh, just recently, I spoke at this event uh, called uh, Fuck Up Nights, <laughs> and it's, it's it's really for entrepreneurs to talk about their business failures. And uh, during fuck up nights, uh, I I I I just casually mentioned because one of the audience mem- member asked me like, how how do I how do I find happiness? So I talked about uh, going on a prolonged sex date with myself and uh, really uh, loving myself. And another audience audience member asked me don't you have desires i was like yeah i have desires so apparently she was confused that because i masturbate and i go on prolonged sex dates with myself that i'm somehow denying my desires interesting so it's almost like you have desires and you keep your desires and then you just just keep 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 your desires and you just don't act on it and you just wait to be rescued by the right person i guess so uh, masturbating doesn't make you a better, fuller, happier person. She doesn't. She didn't see it that way. She saw it as, no, you shouldn't express yourself that way because you should just wait or keep it as if as if um, there's a limited amount of uh, sex or sexuality or sexual desire that is limited, and therefore I need to keep. If I just spend it all, then uh, it's all gone, and. Um, uh, then that's going to stop me from finding or attracting a partner. So 
So yeah. this is an educated. This is an educated group. You know, like these are the youngest, sharpest, brightest minds um, who run businesses. And to have this kind of question from the audience is like, okay, well, um, it's not one and the same thing. Well, I remember thinking about that around. Oh, if I masturbate a lot, then I'm not going to be in the mood or something like like you said. Like somehow it's going to actually take from me to be able to be with my partner, and so like I have to that like save myself mentality, um, where I found it to be the opposite of like when there is a regular masturbation practice. Like it's like it, it's stoking the fires, right? Like it keeps you keeps the sex. I love that. Like, I've never heard of it in that sense. If you don't use it, you lose it. But like, yeah, like there is a way that you're exercising those muscles and it stokes the fire and, and it revs up the sex drive versus um, depletes the sex drive piece. Yeah, I, I, yes, we, I mean, we, we, we get horny, we feel horny. And then when we uh, have an orgasm, that is a release, but it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't come back. You know, like it's going to take like months or years to come back. And even if you uh, have had uh, pleasure and you had a release that day, uh, it's a choice uh, whether you want to also be sexual with your partner in addition to that. So it, it can be in addition to. And uh, if you are confident with your body, uh, you know that uh, you can trust your body to get excited again. So it's the lack of knowing that you can that makes people scared, I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah. So uh, just quickly, I do want to know when you say prolonged sex date, like, what does that mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I first got the idea from my tantra supervisor, Laurie Handlers, because she did that. And she said it really changed her relationship with herself. So that gave me the idea to do it. So I actually originally just had it, had the intention of doing it for a minimum of four hours, and um, so I, I I I I to be honest, I didn't just masturbate for fifteen hours. I mean, I did other things on top of that, like I took breaks. Uh, I I did like an emotional clearing ritual. I I did put the uh, vibrator on my genitals, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm doing it to come like a thousand times. It was like I'm just. Do it, putting the vibrator in my genitals to get the erotic charge going so that I can utilize this sexual energy for emotional healing. So I actually did the emotional releasing um, uh, fire burning uh, ritual for three hours and then I, I was then watching TV and then I uh, lied down and I pleasured myself slowly. So using the erotic energy then now sending love messages to every cell of my body repeatedly mm. for hours so that was um more about gen- gen- being gentle with yourself right. it's like you run a marathon you just pace yourself so i i didn't have like a deadline i just i wasn't like in some kind of competition i just did it for however long it felt good and however long it felt complete mm. okay did you say you blogged <laughs> about that too yeah, so I, I did it for, I mean, I, I didn't have the intention to do it, but it ended up being 15 hours, and I went through uh, two uh, AAA batteries uh, on my vibrator. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you guys, you need to come up with something a little stronger, <laughs> longer lasting <laughs> when it comes to vibrators. 
<laughs> Just a call for anyone in the sex toy industry for prolonged sex dates. <laughs> yeah, I use stock on 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 uh, batteries next time because it it ran out. Um, so it, it it was really beautiful to give myself this uh, treat to book myself into a room, a hotel room, and really pamper myself the way that I would have wanted a, a lover to pamper me. Uh, but we just keep waiting for this this mystical lover to show up who might never show up. Then are we just never going to be really happy? So it's really important to just give ourselves what we really want to manifest. I love that. I love that. Even just imagining that, um, like you said, give the thing that you would want your lover to give to you. Yes. Mm. I mean, we, we go on retreats, right? We go on retreats or like yoga retreats or this or that, like to rejuvenate or this and that holiday. Why not like a, 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 a sex date with yourself where you're just really engaged with your sexual energy and moving it around your body and playing with it? Uh, I, I really believe that that would amplify the, the healing properties Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're giving me ideas. Thanks. <laughs> well, I know we're kind of coming to time. Um, so, Bob, do you have any questions before we kind of start to like wrap? Yeah, no. Yeah, I think we can move toward the wrapping up phase. Okay. Okay. Um, how can people get in touch with you, first of all? Um, and then we have some closing questions, fun, fun questions that we like to end on. Thank you. Yeah, so my website is uh, Eros Coaching. That's E R O S Coaching dot com. I I have a uh, lots of uh, stuff there, and um, I have two books. I am also available by Skype. Awesome. Yes. As oh, those of you that don't know, we actually are skyping with um, Martha, and we get to see her beautiful face. So yes, she is available. We can verify that fact. <laughs> <laughs> and the the blog post that you mentioned we'll put that in the show notes at sexthepodcast.com so mm -hmm. and they can just go to your site and find it too but we'll we'll put that in the show notes yeah, yeah. thank you yeah yeah so um my question for you is um what is your favorite thing about sex um Favorite thing about sex is the actual having orgasm. <laughs> okay. And, uh, <laughs> um, I think that is a moment where you really lose yourself. Mm. And uh, there's this quality that a lot of people talk about, like feeling one with the universe, feeling like an overpowering of love. I think that is really the true essence of who we are and what we are meant to be at every moment. Mm. And uh, if you can just connect with that erotic energy and know how to prolong it then we can have infinite love um with our next breath mm. so so a lot of the practices that i have learned uh uh through tantra through my studies uh has really helped me become more sensitive in my body and uh i have actually become uh, such a better person because of my work because of also the hum humility and the the, the love that I get to witness through my work mm. has really helped me to become a more compassionate and patient and less judgmental person because of this work. So I'm, I'm actually 
not just a teacher, but I'm also learning from my clients all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so grateful that um, I'm able to uh, hold this space uh, for people in Singapore. Yeah, wow, beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And my, my question for you, Martha, is how would you describe sex to somebody who has never had it? Which is perfect since she works a lot with virgins. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it depends uh, who who is uh, who is asking whether it's a woman or a man. Um, uh, I like to talk about uh, rather than describe every single sensation that happens in in uh, po- that's possibly going to happen in their body and make it a physical thing. I like to always talk about uh, sex being a union and this uh, merging of. Uh, not just physical, but emotions and um, energy and really feeling this uh, sense of uh, one with the other person. Mm. So uh, that is the best sex possible. So to a, to a virgin, I would say that sex is uh, can be one of the most beautiful things that you can ever experience in your life. Um, and... Um, that there's this sacred quality around sex that um, I would really uh, like for them to be able to have. So I, I sometimes go into a story talking about uh, how I uh, learned how to have first time sex with my partner and how it made me feel totally loved and accepted and empowered and beautiful. And uh, that was the day where I really felt, even though I shouldn't think that way, but that's really what I felt that I really grew from uh, being a girl and and moved into being a woman when I had my first time sex, that that was a rite of passage uh, Mm. feeling for me. And that was something that I would want everybody to be able to experience if that's what they want. Mm. Rite of passage, beautiful. Yeah, in the union. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. This has been um, it's been, very it's been so wonderful to spend this time with you. Yeah, so Thank informative. I, again, I feel like I've learned something new and um, and ideas around just ways to continue cultivating that kind of love of self, and then also the sacred union between myself and other. Yeah. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Martha. So what did you all think? Isn't it fascinating to see the differences from your own culture to that of another? We hope that you loved it as much as we did. It's always a pleasure for us and we hope that it's a pleasure for you too. And how you can show us some love is if you can go to iTunes, give us a rating, leave us a review. We really want to have this conversation be on a bigger platform and the more reviews and ratings we can get the more people will be able to find this and have education around sex for themselves and if you would like to be kept in the loop about future episodes of sex the podcast the easiest and most awesome way of doing that is by going to sexthepodcast.com and signing up for the newsletter And you can also check out old podcast episodes. And there are also some blog posts there that Natalie and I have co-written, as well as some videos that we've filmed about our process 
going from being partners in a relationship and shifting over to being business partners and working on this project, Sex the Podcast, together. So there are some resources there that other people have found super valuable, and we encourage you to go check it out. Thanks again for listening in. We love you. Get your sexy on and have an awesome day.